Strike the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. It is Fat Tuesday here. I am in the beautiful East Coast city of Columbus, Ohio. Tate Frazier is in Los Angeles. Uh, before we get started, Tate, I want to mention that Cousin Sal, our good buddy, has a podcast called Against All Odds. People should subscribe to that. We also have a website called TheRinger.com, and I wrote an article on there. But, Tate, we are... Not to brag. Four, we are... Not to brag. I, I write sometimes. We are less than four weeks from Selection Sunday, um, and the the committee released, I don't know if you saw this, the top 16 seeds. Uh, I personally, I did not see it. I'm very much against this. How do you feel about the the early early release of like saying this if if the doing the uh, thing where they're like if the season ended today, folks, if it ended today, it doesn't end today. But if it did, here's how things would look. How do you feel about that? I blame college football. I don't like it. I don't like that we've gotten to this position in that we're in where uh, we want to know what the seeds are right now. Why can't we just wait? Why do we have to ruin a good thing? The the best oh, no. the best thing about Selection Sunday is. You really have no idea where you stand. We've had plenty of teams that think they deserve to be in that don't get in. We have obviously, you know, the Seth Greenbergs of the world that are just shocked and stunned because they're like, we did beat Duke. What is going on? Why are we not in the tournament? And uh, now we're trying to ruin that and tinker with that. But the good thing, at least from my perspective, was I didn't watch the show. You're saying you didn't watch the show. No. I don't think many people mm-hmm. did watch the show. The only thing that I learned about this and what I saw was Virginia fans celebrating being the one seed which kudos to them, you know, number one team in the AP yeah. poll for the first time since 82. We're going to get to that. Yeah, we're going to get to yeah. that. Talk a little bit about that. But, you know, that's about the only thing that it did was excite Virginia fans. And that's about it. I, I don't think it really moved the meter at all. Well, I mean, you're, you're the nerd in this outfit. So, like, I'm I'm the guy who, who played. I've I've brought it up before, I think, on the podcast. But for those who are just tuning in, I, I played college basketball. Tate did not. Um, so... Tate, you, I, I figured uh-huh. if there's anybody who like cared about all this, it would be you. But I, I'm I'm no. in the same boat as you. I I very much uh, do not care about this. It, in fact, this year I'm trying to not know anything, and it, it's going very poorly so far because all the college basketball people I follow on Twitter were just spamming my timeline with, "Oh my God, the committee put at three seed. They put mm-hmm. Michigan State. Can you believe it, folks?" And uh, I'm I'm trying to not even know that. I don't want to know anything. Um, because like you said, it, there's a magic in the surprise on Selection Sunday. There's, there's something so fun about saying we, we have an idea just based on like what the committee usually does. And, and you got like Joe Lenardi up there saying like, you got to remember, here's what the committee, he's like, I, I, I don't I don't think this is necessarily the case. Here's what I think the committee thinks. And based on history, it's going to go this way. But other than that, like no one really has any idea what's going to happen. Uh and and I don't like it. I don't like that Dick Vitale, like the more we do this, Dickie V is not going to be surprised when when every selection Sunday he picks the team that didn't make the cut and freaks out and is like, I can't, I can't believe it, baby. They got they got left out. I don't believe But now like the more we the more we do this, the less shocked Dickie V is going to be. I mean, I guess he'll just pretend to be shocked, and that's that's fine too. That'll work. But um But what no. it, it not only does it take Dickie V out of the equation, it takes out Joe Lenardi. And it takes out the, the yeah. whole bubble, the first four in, first four out. You know, it, it, it tinkers with a lot of people's jobs and livelihoods. And we don't want to see that. We it's, just want to wait to Selection Sunday and celebrate in March. Stop trying to give us gifts in I February. I said this. I, I, I put something on Twitter about this, that I am uh, the bracketology industry as a whole has just spiraled out of control. I mean, Joe <laughs> Lenardi, he, he is Dr. Frankenstein, and mm-hmm. he created this monster yes. that he just had. I mean, 
we were it was good when it was just Lenardi. And I understand that like we need more competition than Lenardi because there the, there are probably guys that are better at it than he is at this point. And there 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 are like the guys on on the internet that'll say, well, actually, if mm. what Lenardi does isn't even mm. that hard, you could I could actually do it better than him. I get it. Like, cool. You, everyone's better. But can we just go back to Lenardi being the guy? I mean, like, what what was the harm in that? Like, the guy pops out of his bunker for three weeks and is like, I see it this way, folks. And he's got his turtleneck on and he goes away and everybody loves it. And that was awesome. Like, when I was growing up, Joe Lenardi was like, when I knew Joe Lenardi was like ground, the groundhog in Groundhog's Day. Like, he pops mm-hmm. out. You know summer's coming. <laughs> you know spring's coming. When Joe Lenardi popped that, showed up on my TV, I was like, holy shit, the NCAA tournament is coming. This is exciting. And now... Every, the, just like the bracketology industry, everybody's a bracketologist, Tate. Everyone's got an opinion on bracketology. It's ridiculous. It's too much. That's my rant. I love it. We're tired of it. Just, just figure it out. Joe Lenardi, you're the much. guy. So uh, he also taught us that if you add ology to, to a word, it makes it, uh, you know, some sort of mastercraft. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's Astrology. That is true. Chairology. Well, let's whatever do, it is. Well, with that in mind, let's do some good guyology and bad guyology <laughs> and Kyle guyology. Uh, are you are you ready to dive into the the segment, the weekly segment? It's be, it's becoming a little hotter for for me at least. And by hotter, I mean like I actually take a lot of time trying to figure out my picks each week. Like this is becoming, it's slowly becoming a thing for me where I think all of my picks are going to be preserved in some museum somewhere. And it's like mm. I have to get this right this week. The good guy, Kyle guy, bad guy, whatever pick of the week. Um, so. I don't know. It's almost like too much pressure on me, T. I know you don't put any time into this. I know you. <laughs> I'm always prepared. You're notorious for not having shit ready, so I mean, this is this is well documented. What are you talking about? I'm always. I ready. don't want to get to the segment. You'd be like, "Oh shit, are we doing good guy, bad guy this week? Where did that come from?" <laughs> Every single day, I wake up and I give I designate a bad guy of the day. In fact, I was trying to figure out a, a song. You know, I was talking to someone this weekend. He was like, "You gotta have something for the bad guy." There's so many, you know, references to bad guys in yeah. music, whether it's like a duffel bag boy or whatever it is. And then James Brown, Papa's got a brand new bag. Uh, you know, Ooh. that that's a great song. And then That'd I reached out to James Brown's people and they were like, we don't know who you are. What is One Shining Podcast? <laughs> what is a podcast? And it, that was probably all done. So we don't have the rights to that, but it, it's guys. a good Sorry, idea. Yeah, fault. I blame producer Kyle. That's Kyle. Yeah, Kyle needs to do that. Uh, by the way, it brings up, a, that's a good segue to mention. Uh, it, it is Bag Guy with a G. It's a G. Uh, we have a lot of new listeners that tweet at us and they're like, is, is this guy the bad guy? And they spell Mm-mm. it B-A-D. Mm-mm. Of the week, we and, would never um, designate so you, someone a bad guy. And shame on y'all. Yes. So for those of you new to the party, uh, I'm not going to explain what good guy and bad guy means. Today. We're not going to do that again. I'm just going <laughs> to don't do it. Please don't. <laughs> I'm do just it. I'm just going to reiterate that it's B A G with a bag because a guy drops the duffel bag, etc. So, uh, all right. With that in mind, let's start with our good guys. Do you want to go first? Yes, I'll go. I'll first. let you go first. Yes. Give me your good guy of the week. Good guy of the week for me. And this is the quintessential good guy. This is this is the epitome of what a good guy is in college basketball. And it's the whole point of this whole exercise. The man is Andy Kennedy, and he is the head coach at Ole Miss. And we found out mm-hmm. that he is going to be terminated at the end of the season. But why is he a good guy, Mark Titus? It's because he is going to serve out the rest of the season. And he had this press conference. It's a good and guy move. This is a very good guy move. And, and the thing about a good guy, when they, they make these decisions, you see words thrown out there like grace humility, class act. <laughs> All these things are being thrown out there about Andy Kennedy. The media loves the guy. 
And everyone's going to remind you what Andy Kennedy has done at Ole Miss and, and why this is a travesty, and that's why he's going to be the good guy of the week. We're, we're going to come out and say, do you know that Ole Miss is the third winningest program in the SEC since 2006? Guess what year that was, Mark Wait, Titus? what? The year that Andy Kennedy came to Ole Miss to take over the head coaching job. So what's going on here? Wait, what? Yes, what's going on? That's a very good guy thing that's coming out with Andy Kennedy. And just for him to have this press conference. Did you see the press conference? I did not, no. It was a very good guy move of him. You know, He said it's time for a new voice and a new vision for this program. Mm. Very good guy, very humble move. He said blood, sweat, and tears. He put more of that than anyone in this basketball program since he got there in 2006. These are all good guy statements. These are all ways for him to go out as a class act. Very good guy move, but at the end of the day, he is terminated and he is fired. So he will no longer be the head coach at Ole Miss at the end of the season. And uh, that is the downside of being a good guy. I had two thoughts about the Andy Kennedy thing when when the news broke. My first thought was, Andy Kennedy still coaches at Ole Miss. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Um, that was literally the first thing I said to myself. It, it was like him and Mark Fox. I always bring up Mark Fox because I think that's funny that he's still coaching at Georgia. And I don't think he's bad. By the way, I don't think Andy Kennedy should be fired. I think like like he's the greatest. I was looking this up. He's the greatest Ole Miss coach in history. Yes. Ole Miss's basketball program is an absolute disaster. It's a, it's a historical disaster. We we briefly mentioned it. I I know I always bring up the Sleeping Giants pod on like I always reference that I think, but uh we we I I remember talking like very briefly about Ole Miss and how they're kind of close to Memphis and like maybe they could get the residual Memphis guys. They could get the guys that Tubby Smith isn't getting um and and maybe turn it around and stuff. Ole Miss is so much worse historically than I realized. Like I don't even know where to set the over under on NBA players. <laughs> And historically at Ole Miss, can you name a single NBA player that that's ever played from that, that's from Ole Miss? Tate, oof, I cannot. It should be I Marshall Henderson, cannot. but uh, that didn't quite work out. No, I I cannot off the top of my head. They so I looked up. Uh, Andy Kennedy had nine seasons mm-hmm. of it, 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 this is his twelfth year, so we're still it's still a work in progress. He could still theoretically accomplish this, so I'm not going to count this year. Uh, so in his eleven years up to this point, nine of his eleven years he won twenty games at Ole Miss. In like the 10,000 years of Ole Miss basketball before he got there, <laughs> there were seven 21 seasons. Seven. And he had nine in 11 years. Um, but with that being said, like I, di- I didn't realize he was the coach. And I think that's more because like Ole Miss is just, I mean, they've been good, but they haven't been. My my my, my post-Marshall Henderson memory of Ole yes. Miss was when they almost beat Kentucky and Rupp Arena. That was like a couple years ago, I want to say. The Moody guy had a... He had like a three at the buzzer to beat him, and he didn't hit it. But other than that, I haven't really given Ole Miss a lot of thought. So when I found out Andy Kennedy was being fired, I was, I was pretty surprised because, I don't know, I, I just figured he I, – I, one, I figured he like wasn't there anymore because I, I just don't hear enough about him. But two, if he is there, why would you fire him? Don't fire him. He's a, he's the winningest, winningest coach in, in, uh, in history at Ole Miss. And then but, – but the peak of this was the whole Marshall Henderson story, and it sort of feels like – you know how Kevin Sumlin, when he was done at Texas A&M, you know he had the Johnny Manziel story, and then that was kind of the peak of his career there? Yeah. That's kind of what happened with Marshall Henderson, Ooh, you know? Yeah, yeah, You had this highlight yeah. where everyone's finally tuning into Ole Miss basketball and talking about it. Marshall Henderson has kind of captured right. uh, the attention of America for, like, what, two months before everyone was like, wow, this guy's a little bit out there. And uh, <laughs> that, that was the most Andy Kennedy uh, FaceTime we got. Marshall Henderson got the, uh, what do they call it, the milkshake duck because of the one guy on – I don't know. I, that's probably too. I'm I'm getting into weird Twitter with you, Tate. Um, the mil- if you don't know what the milkshake dog is, where the Ken Bone. You remember Ken Bone at the uh, yes, uh, yes, debate, the- and then everyone's like, mm-hmm. everyone's like, we love Ken Bone, and then come to find out that Ken Bone might be 
kind of weird and pervert in some way. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe a guy uh, we shouldn't support. Yeah, well, that's that's what happened with the uh, Marshall Henderson. It was like, oh, this guy's crazy, yeah. but it's like kind of fun, isn't it? It's kind of fun. And then he like gets on Twitter and he's like, gay people aren't real people or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, remember? Do you remember when he tweeted that and he's like, I'm just kidding, guys. It was a social experiment. I was like, eh. <laughs> nope, you still said well, it. It's still so written. Not, uh, it's <laughs> still no, you're, you are no longer fun, Marshall yeah. Henderson. I'm going to say that. Yeah, they tried to make him like Eminem, like Marshall <laughs> Mathers, and then he tried to really lean right, into right. that and say some weird yeah. stuff. And people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We just, we just like the basketball, man. I was going to say uh, as far as old miss uh basketball the other most famous person i could think of when i was trying to think of people that are relevant to the program is sean tui from the blind side you know he played basketball mm-hmm. at Ole miss so i'm thinking tim he, McGraw, is that tim mcgraw that's tim mcgraw yeah exactly yeah <laughs> tim mcgraw right. so i'm saying uh what if he you know he owned all these taco bells i think that's what it was he owns like a bunch of taco bells <laughs> what if he goes becomes a head coach gets some taco bell sponsorship in there it becomes like the kfc yum center they get like the taco bell premier <laughs> old miss building and then we got a program. Then we're dropping bags. The Taco Bell. We're giving out. Taco Bell Tui. Yeah, Mexican yeah. pizzas, whatever you want. Sean Tui, <laughs> Ole Miss basketball. Um, That's my pitch. So I had this. I I uh, I want to I want to mention this about Andy Kennedy as well. Um, because I see nobody mentioning it, and I don't know. Do you remember when he got arrested for punching a, a cab driver in Cincinnati for for calling a cab driver Bin Laden? Do you remember the story? Yeah, so I actually I didn't know the story originally. I will be honest, but as but, I was doing the research for my good guy, I wanted to make sure that he was in fact well, a good guy, and that was something that almost held well, this me back the, from giving him that declaration. But people seem to have forgotten. Yeah, this is the, this is the reason I bring it up is that Andy Kennedy is such a good guy in the in the world of the media and college basketball and all that that like. That was completely forgotten about <laughs> that he punched a like the report the report said it was it was in 08. it was ten years mm-hmm. ago he was already, he was at Ole Miss when it happened yep. and he was getting into a cab and I I think like the story I remember was that he had like five guys with him and the cab wouldn't let him put all of the guys into the cab he was like you guys got to get two cabs and then something broke out he got arrested for assault and then they settled it out of court so like. I'm sure all the the lawyers listening to us, Tate, are going to be like, he wasn't proven guilty of anything, and you know, like you're going to whatever. But uh, I'm, I'm not saying that he actually did it. I don't know if he did it or not. But the, the fact that like that happened and he was arrested for assault and allegedly called a cab driver Bin Laden, yeah, and, it, <laughs> and no one even no one even brings it up because they're just like, oh man, great guy. Um, <laughs> that, that just shows you how good of a guy he truly is. That like, he can he can have that buried. Yeah, everyone said he got the short end of the stick at Ole Miss, so everyone um, took up for him. The media loves Andy Kennedy. That's why he's a good guy. What about your so, good, guy, good guy of the week? Um, yeah, I, I was I was going to ask you who do you think they're going to hire though. <laughs> I'm done, I was going to. Like, I just told I'm you. Not, that. I'm not done with Andy Kennedy. Sean Tui. I know, but I I mean for real. I do you think. Uh, <laughs> why Why is that not for, for real? For real. You got to go. You got to buy back <laughs> into your program. You got to build from because within. I want to. Because I have the perfect candidate for you. That that uh, that Ole Miss. If you say Tom is, Crean, I'm going to hang up the phone. No, <laughs> it's not Tom Creed. It's better. You have you have a, a team that has historically not been great. You have a team that is in the SEC, the most notorious bag dropping conference in <laughs> no college demand. sports history. No demand. The most bag droppingest of all. They they invented bag droppingology. Um, <laughs> and and you have like a certain coach who has lived in the South, technically. Mm. Uh, for the last what 15 16 years or so who just recently got fired for NCAA issues who may come to find out he, he he's got the full court press on Tate and he might get absolved of all of the the punishment and he Are you saying, is a hall of famer oh. I, I, 
Say it. I'm, I don't know, Tate. Say it. I'm saying I'm saying Ole Miss needs to get Rick Pitino yes. down there. Yes. I'm saying bring Rick Pitino to Oxford. It's a perfect job. No, no respectable program is going to hire Rick, but Ole Miss is not a respectable program, <laughs> so it works out well. And and it, like it's just big enough to where like you could convince Rick Pitino that he could turn it around and like preserve his legacy at Ole Miss. You could you could get him in a room and be like Rick, we have the resources. We can we can make this happen for you. Because like a school like Eastern Tennessee. They're not going to be, you know, like Rick Pitino's not going to go there. He's like, what, what's the, what's my ceiling here? Mm-hmm. But you could convince him that that he could get to the final four with Ole Miss and and vindicate himself and and just like get all the payback for every all the bullshit, all the wrong that he's been thrown his way. Because the man is a victim, unlike we've ever seen in college <laughs> sports. I think Tate. Uh, Spe- I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I ha- then I have mine. I'm going to one up you here. Speaking of victims of the NCAA system and what it's done to these coaches, and you know they're they're the way that they're respected and perceived around the basketball landscape. Let's give the job to Larry Brown. Let's bring him back. <laughs> he, he's he's the only one to put every school on probation he's ever been to. Let's let's send him to Ole Miss. Let's just see what he can do down there. Let's figure it out. If we're going to bring back oh Ricky God. P, let's bring out bring back Larry Brown. Oh throw him down there. See what happens. We we have a lot of former NBA coaches going to the SEC anyway. He can have yeah. Avery Johnson to rely on. When he needs some phone calls to figure out how everything works as far as the SEC with Holy the academics and, and getting students to enroll. Just give him the job. Bring him back. Oh, my God. I love it. Larry. <laughs> do, do you want to hear a crazy story I found out? Larry Brown is coaching in China right now. That is no joke. Oh, my God. Wait, what? And and, and you know what I just heard is that that team has been sanctioned by the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> that team, it just it, the news just broke. Yeah, the, C- the CBA said they're doing some um, shady stuff. Anyway, RIP Andy Kennedy. I think he's going to end up on TV. I think the media loves him so much. He's going to end up on TV yeah. and he's going to uh we're going to we're going to see a lot of Andy Kennedy, but uh for for now the Kennedy curse strikes can, again. Can Andy Kennedy replace Seth Greenberg as the resident bald guy besides Jay oh, Billis on on the uh, college basketball live? That's my pitch. Yeah. Oh, I know it is. You've made your thoughts well <laughs> well known on Seth Greenberg. <laughs> uh all right, my good guy, and and I'm gonna cross beams here, Tate. This yes. is gonna people listening. You're gonna have your brains just put into mm. a pretzel here, um, and I, I apologize for that. So please make sure you're sitting down and in the right frame of mind. Pause the podcast if you need to, but uh, just fair warning: I'm about to to melt your brain. My good guy of the week, Tate, mm. is Kyle Guy. Wait, what? Now, yeah, Kyle Guy is usually not always. But usually our Kyle guy of the week is Kyle guy. But this week, our good guy of the week, my good guy of the week is Kyle guy. Um, five for 21 against Virginia Tech at home. Mm. He goes three for 14 from the three-point line. Kyle guy is now 16 for 54 from the three-point line, which is about a little under 30%. That's not good. If you're not a numbers guy, that is not, that's not good. Um, he's a little under 30% in his last six games since Tony Bennett was asked whether Kyle Guy is mm. going to break his career three-point percentage record. Do you remember that? We, we talked I, about it on the pod. I actually thought that t- when that question was asked, that was a bad precursor for something, for him going into yep. a slump. Because then you start thinking about how great you're shooting, and then you get in your own head. Bad question. Blame so the media. So Kyle Guy is, yeah, uh, Virginia loses. We're going to we're gonna dive into like the actual game a little bit here in a second. But Virginia loses at home to an unranked team and then moves up to number one in the polls. And it actually sort of makes sense, which is wild. So it all it all came out in the wash. 
Uh, but Kyle Guy, in the meantime, was forcing stuff. He had one shot that was particularly egregious. It in was the second the, half. He curls off a screen at the on the wing. You know the one I'm talking about. It was the about. air was ball like heard around the world. Shot clock. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, no, that was a different one. And then he had another air ball. And that was yeah, an overtime, right? He was right? not good. Yeah, the big air ball. Yeah. Mm. The big air ball was that he and Ty, Ty Jerome kind of were feeling themselves a little too much that game. I'm, I, 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 listen, we love them both, but we have to to maintain credibility. We have to call them <laughs> out uh, for <laughs> Ty Jerome had unbiased, unfiltered. Th- that last shot. That last shot that Ty Jerome took against Virginia Tech at, at, at the buzzer that ended up losing the game or whatever, that one, um, he there was never a second that he thought he, was, he missed it. Like he, he didn't even realize he missed that shot until he went to the locker room mm-hmm. and was like, oh shit, we lost. That didn't go in. Like he knew that was going in the whole time. He, he almost did the Jay Will thing at, a, at the game day at halftime or the, the game day thing where Jay Will shot the half court shot. You saw that. I know you saw that. Yeah, you love Jay Will. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't miss a beat with Jay Will. Everyone brought that up. When and he's in a suit. Where Jay Will, Can you believe yeah, that? In he's, a suit in a suit. He, he's in a tight he, suit. He shoots it. And as soon as it's off his fingertips, he's like, that one's in. Mm. That was Ty Jerome at the end of the Virginia tech, Virginia game. He shoots Good. it. He just puts his feet. He does like the Larry bird at the three point contest. Just puts his finger up, like starts walking off the court. Like hell yeah. And then the shit doesn't even hit the rim. You're like, Ugh. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Um, so anyway, Kyle Guy is my good guy of the week. Uh I I it pains me to say it. You and I both love Kyle Guy, but he he's in a bit of a slump. I don't think it's anything to to freak out about if you're a Virginia fan, but uh in the in the interest of credibility, I have to I have to bring up Kyle Guy. So And they're the number one uh, team in the country. You? We have to say that. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna get into that. Oh, oh, Rest assured, we're still doing our Kyle guy update of the week date. That, that's a very different day. <laughs> yes, this, this is all good guys. Now let's get the bad guys. This is the good guy. Uh, go, go to, who's your bad guy? My, ba- <laughs> my bad guy of the week. And this is strange because we, we don't talk about him very much, especially because he has no uh, affiliation with college basketball right now. But he's trying to get affiliated again um, with the top high school prospects uh, in the world right now, and that is LeVar Ball and the Big Baller brand. Wait, who's that? <laughs> who's that? I've never heard of him. He's he's the dad of uh, the number two pick, Lonzo Ball. Um, apparently, uh, and I know this through, so there's a recruit that's going to Carolina next year. His name's Kobe White. He just broke the, uh, the North Carolina State scoring record. Shout out to him. Um, but the Big Baller brand, they sent a, uh, a resident uh, representative from the Big Baller brand. I didn't know that they had employees, but apparently they do. And they are sending <laughs> all of these employees to the top high school recruits or all these five-star recruits in the world. So they send uh, a Big Baller brand rep to Goldsboro, North Carolina. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, to Greenfield School in Wilson, North Carolina, where, where uh, Kobe is. And they talked to Kobe and his mom, and they're they're trying to get him to sign up for this league. Have you heard? We talked about the league a little bit, but it's called oh, yeah, yeah. the Junior Basketball Association is the name of it, the JBA. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had no idea that this is a reality TV show as well as a basketball league that will be uh, streamed and available on Facebook Video. These are all things that are true. That this is happening in Wait, the summertime. What? Yes, this is all real. So, so they're <laughs> yes, please. Ask they're going questions. around like with cameras. They're going around with cameras. It's like making the band. Like, like what's the LeVar reality Ball? show? What's? Oh my god! <laughs> and so they're going to they're going to all these five stars, especially like rural, you know. So they're going to like smaller towns. Yeah. So they obviously go to the you know to Wilson, North Carolina. Ask Kobe White as if he's going to be interested in doing this, and he's like a you know straight A kid, smart kid, like wants to go to Carolina, whatever. So they don't even you know you know his mom's like we told them that Kobe is not interested and that he in June he'll be at Carolina. Um, 
and she never let him go into the salaries and stuff. But apparently the salaries will range from 3000 to 10000 a month. And it's from <laughs> July until October this summer. I mean, it is the most, I mean, it's happening. Oh my God. It's happening. So that, oh I mean, that is, that is bad guy of the week for me, the big baller brand. They are going out, they're sending troops on the ground. Uh, it's a grassroots movement. It is a reality show. It is the JBA. Uh, I, I can't believe it. That's bad guy of the week, LeVar Ball. I, I love that the idea for this league comes from the idea that the NCAA is exploiting student athletes. <laughs> well, so LeVar LeVar Ball's like, I, I can't stand that these kids are being exploited, so now I'm going Let to target poor, poor kids and exploit the shit out of them. <laughs> but I'm going to exploit uh, them by paying them cash, whereas the yes. NCAA exploits them by paying them in education, in scholarships and in education and food. And, and, yeah, and he's giving them like petty cash. He's giving them petty cash. In a some, Facebook some video stream. <laughs> some beer money. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my god, I love it. The Levar, I, the, the Levar Ball thing I saw was that um, he said, and and I try not to. Again, I'm going to make my stance on Levar Ball known, just for those of you who are new to to us to the to the operation here at One Shining Podcast. We're not anti Levar Ball. We're not pro Levar Ball. Like I'm, I won't shy away from Levar Ball news story, but I'm also not going to dive into it and be like, oh mm-hmm. shit, I, I want to know all the details here. So I saw somewhere where he said like, I. I want my my other sons to play with Lonzo. We're gonna like try to figure out an NBA team that will take all three of them. And it it, it basically the the from what I could gather, when Lonzo's rookie contract is up, yeah, he's going to he's only going to sign with like a team that's willing to sign his two brothers as well. Is do I have this right? <laughs> basically, yes. He's trying to get in a bargaining. Oh he's trying to get in a bargaining position where he's already threatening the Lakers that Lonzo will not resign unless he signs uh, the younger brothers, LiAngelo and Lamelo. Um, oh my god! <laughs> so I love it. I think the way that ends is the Lakers probably say, "Okay, cool," and they cool, all end yeah. up in Lithuania <laughs> together, right? Or Latvia right, or right, some, some country, and they're all playing on the same team. That that's the, I think that's the happy ending to that story. Um, but yeah, he, oh he's he's already put it out there to the world, and um, yeah, it's I I don't understand that because he also said that he wanted the team to be three ballers and two passers. That's gonna be the starting five. So th- three oh <laughs> three ball kids and two passers to pass them the ball. Um, so good luck with oh, that in the NBA. That's hilarious. Um, my my bad guy of the week is another genius alternative basketball league creator uh ice Mm, cube yes and uh i pick ice cube as my bad guy of the week because ice cube really it's not ice cube it's whoever runs the big three the three on three league (laughs) ice cube has come which is ice cube i guess uh whoever whoever ice cube put in charge of his league has come through and dropped the bag in Northwest Columbus, Ohio, the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio, at my good friend Greg Oden's house. Mm. Because Tate, yes, I I am happy to report that Greg Oden is going to be playing in the Big Three this summer. Um, I, I I don't know where to start. I want I want to first say this. I'm going to refute the rumor that this is the the reason that I've been getting in shape. Those who follow the <laughs> podcast closely might remember that. I have started working out again. It's uh, I'm, I'm keeping it close to the vest as to why. Lord knows I wouldn't be doing it just for my own health. Like I'm not I'm not the type that's like I, I'm going to work out to like be healthy or to look good. Like I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, that's not happening. Um, so there is a reason I'm working out, Tate. But this is not the reason. However, my like good buddy tease. Greg Oden, mm-hmm. 
My bo- my good buddy Greg, who like three weeks ago comes to me, like he and I were hanging out, and he he brought this up to me, and I I must have laughed for ten minutes when he's like, <laughs> "Hey, the big the big three people have approached me," and then I was like, "Oh shit, you're serious?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm serious." I go, "Greg, why would you do this? You just got married, you have a baby girl that you love. Like, for the first time in Greg's life, he's." absolutely happy he's he loves not being a basketball player he's just like a normal guy who has millions of dollars in the bank and gets to live in ohio and have people kiss his feet and be like thank you for taking us to the final four his life is unbelievable and so what does he do (laughs) he goes and plays in a three-on-three league in the summer and i don't understand but I, i i say that to say Tate, that the bag that must have been dropped on this man's front porch to get him to sign up for this because he has no knees whatsoever. He has he can't he literally cannot run. So the, the idea of half court is like I guess if he is going to make a comeback, it has to be in this environment because his his knees are so shot. Um, but I don't know. He's back and and I can and by the way, I on the podcast not too long ago I said that Greg listens to us and I called him out and said text me Greg so I know you're mm-hmm. listening to it. Go ahead go ahead and guess if I got that text. Did Tate. you get the text? I uh, I did not get the text, oh. so feel free to feel free to talk as much shit maybe, about Greg as you want. Right maybe now, he's behind. He, he stop listening. Yeah, maybe he's behind on the. He'll he'll catch up. He's probably on the Friday pod. Uh, I'm gonna flip this yeah. the positive side for Greg Oden in the big three. One half court. You already mentioned it. He doesn't have to run. Yep. Just set up camp in the post. I don't even know what the rules are of the big three, but I doubt they have three seconds. And if they do, who cares? Just put him down on the block. Feed him the ball. We're finally going to see the Greg Oden that we all deserved. The 40-year-old freshman down on the block, getting buckets, back to the post. Like, he's going to bring the post game back. So, see, what the problem was a big three with last year, they put in this four-point shot, and they were trying to, uh-huh. you know, catch up to the whole Steph Curry wave of three-point shooting, and everyone wants to see the deep ball, blah, blah, blah. Wrong. Everyone's already seen that in the NBA. Just watch the Houston Rockets. What we need in the big three is the big man to come back. We need something different. We need to see the man on the block doing some Al Jefferson like post moves, you know, the shimmies back and forth, laying the ball in, uh, you know, just classic things that we always wanted to see from Greg Oden. We never got to see that in the NBA because of his knees. We're in a half court setting now. We can see all that. Um, and now he's the face of the big three. Like last year it was AI. That didn't quite work out because AI was like, I don't want to work out and I don't blame him. Um, so he was done with that. But now Greg Oden is the face of the big three. He's the face of the big man. He's going to be so good in the big three that LeBron James is going to try to sign him to the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, with Ooh. a 10-day contract by the end of this thing. And I, I just can't wait. I'm all in on Greg Oden. I'm all in on the big man coming back. And shout out to Ice Cube. You just said that uh, uh, we don't want to see Steph Curry four-point we, shots. We can the see three. the what best. We really want. You know what we don't want to see? Karan Butler taking threes like he's Steph Curry. That's true. That is true. You know, that's, but that, it was that's funny, not though, what we want to see. Or Rashad McCants. For, for a second... For a second there, you're making the point like nobody wants to see Steph Curry type people shooting threes. What we really want to see is Greg Oden ten years past his prime yes. trying to dunk. Yes, that is what we want to see. Uh, no, I'm, I'm very excited for Greg. Listen, I'm very excited for Greg to do this. If for no other reason than it gives you and I something to do with the podcast in the offseason because you can bet your sweet ass we are going to be going to big three games sitting courtside and harassing Greg and maybe take microphones with him and try to do a live pod at the games I don't know Tate but we will be in attendance at one of these games uh so shout out to, to Greg making the comeback who knows what's going to happen from here but uh I'm going to be shouting yeah, feed Greg, the big man the entire game that's um, all I'm going to say <laughs> real quickly we, we are we're doing we have to officially do the Kyle guy update yes. Because we, we already talked about Kyle Guy and the good guy. But just real quickly, um, I want to mention someone on Twitter, as, as they were watching the Virginia-Virginia Tech game, tweeted at me to say, 
that he did not realize until that moment as he was watching Virginia game that Kyle Guy is a real person. He thought this entire time when we do a Kyle Guy update, we thought we he thought we were talking about producer Kyle's like favorite guy in college basketball. God, he thought like that's Kyle's what Kyle Guy, guy meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. We should me. have a separate oh, segment so where it's good guy, bad guy, Kyle guy, Kyle's guy. Kyle's guy. Yeah, <laughs> add that to that. And we just yeah, that that would actually you could actually talk me into that to like have Kyle check Kyle, how much how much college basketball do you actually watch? It's uh it's been getting impressive the amount I've been watching. Oh wow, look at that. You're, you're always actually watching dedicated more? to the podcast. We just get Kyle's take. We get Kyle's take where he just like chimes in with something that's just like way off base. You guys are gonna make like, me feel really bad about it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. We're done. No. <laughs> He's like, actually, Trayvon Blewett and JP McCure are my favorite tandem in college basketball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is already going bad. Uh, this is already going bad. Anyway, for my Kyle guy update, I have I have you already mentioned this that Virginia is ranked number one for mm-hmm. the first time since 1982. Um People forget for last time Virginia was ranked number one. They lost to Chaminade. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the all time, the all time number one in the history of sports journalism of uh, pulling the move of I was at that game, where Michael Wilbon has just like built entire career around like I was at that game <laughs> at that Chaminade Virginia game. That is the all time number one dropping of mm. I was there. Yes, guys. I was at that one. Yes, um, I saw Ralph so Sampson Virginia, get locked up. By Chaminade. Virginia, by the by the way, it's not the same. I don't mean to say that Virginia is number one. Like that was the same year that they were last number one. That was literally the last moment that Virginia was number one when they lost to Chaminade. They were they've not been number one since then. So, um, yeah, they they it's it's they basically been on a curse for however many years. Chaminade's cursed them. Uh, but Kyle guy specifically on Sunday tweeted the following Tate, and I I feel like it's worth bringing up in the Kyle guy segment. I was thoroughly disappointed with Cars three. <laughs> That's what he said. So I've come on the heels of mm. losing at home Trilogies to Virginia Tech to an unranked team. On the heels of going five for twenty one, mm-hmm. this man was watching Cars three on Sunday, and he said, "I was thoroughly disappointed," which, which means that he had expectations going into Cars three, <laughs> and he was let down. So what did, there's your Kyle guy update. What did people respond to that? I would have said I was thoroughly I disappointed I with Kyle's three. Mm. Ooh. Boom. I see, like that. See, that's, I like that. that's what a troll does. That is what a troll does. <laughs> did you see this? Um, did you see this picture I put out? Also, of the the what the uh, last time the last time was Virginia was number oh, yeah. number one in the nation. There was this great picture from We're, the the nineteen eighty two eighty three Playboy uh, team college all college basketball team. I didn't know Playboy did that, but apparently they did. Someone sent me that picture, and in the picture, it's Doc Rivers. Obviously, when he was at Marquette, Pat Ewing at Georgetown, Terry Holland, head coach, great head coach, uh, Michael Jordan, obviously at UNC, Sam Perkins, UNC, Ralph Sampson, uh, Keith Sims, Sam Bowie, Dale Ellis. It was an incredible picture, and it just made me think if it, we might be like in a golden period of college basketball, and we just haven't realized it yet. Because I'm sure, like back then when they were watching all these guys, you know, they had no idea that they would become what they became. Um, and and I, yeah. I hope I'm hoping we're in a second, uh, you know, gilded period of college basketball right now. That's, that's all I can say. What what brand what brand of shoes was Jordan wearing? Converse, baby. Back before oh, was it Converse? Back before Nike dropped the bag. He, I thought it was Adidas. I was going to say he wanted to wear Adidas, but uh, I, I think uh, Converse was the cool shoe at the time because oh, of Magic oh, he and want, Bird. Oh, he wanted to. Oh, hold on. He wanted to wear Adidas. You said, yeah, of course. Interesting. Uh, what, who who was the shoe company that got uh, the FBI was like got implicated in the FBI thing? Well, Do you remember? Yeah. Well, if they, recently? if they had gotten uh, to Michael Jordan, he would have worn Adidas at Carolina, but instead he was just a good, humble kid, you know, wearing Converse because he liked them. Huh. Huh. Very interesting. He wanted to wear Adidas for some reason. Well, huh, I wonder why. Um, 
Let's take a break. We'll come back and actually talk about pe- people are like scratching their heads. They're like, I can't believe it's already you're 30 minutes in. You haven't even talked about like actual games. <laughs> you're talking about ice cube. Well, welcome to one shining podcast. <laughs> and bullshit. So let's take a break. We'll, we'll talk about the actual college basketball that happened this week. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? We know Big Baller Brand is hiring. Posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you, Mark Titus. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job, or you could possibly be invited to play in a Facebook streaming league where you get paid petty cash uh, and probably don't get to use your rights. Uh, These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. A great match just like our boy Rick Pitino at Ole Miss. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners of One Shining Podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash OSP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash OSP. ZipRecruiter.com slash OS Patino. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Give them a job. Rick Patino and Tom Crean are fervently writing down the ZipRecruiter information. Yes. And they're yeah. OSP. They're, they're putting in the promo code as we speak. Tom Crean to UConn, Rick Patino to Ole Miss, folks. You heard it here first. All right, Tate, uh, what game do you want to start with? I have three games listed that I think are worth mentioning. Um, I, I, I want to start with the Big Ten, but I, I, if you, you, can, you can talk me out of it if you want to. It's your choice. Go ahead. No, you wrote a story all about Isaac Haas, a guy that okay. I really stand yeah, up for. Um, and we saw Miles Bridges, a guy that we have time after time talked about. This guy is playing out of position. Why is he on the three-point line? Why is he jacking threes? Even though sometimes he does, you know, sometimes they're butter. Sometimes he swishes them and they're amazing. But for the most part, he just looks a little bit lost. But in this game, this big stage, he hits a big three. Everyone's back on the Miles Bridges bandwagon. Um, And I just want to hear your thoughts. Tell me what's going on with the Big Ten. So, uh, Miles Bridges hits a three, and I had a few people chirping at me Mm -hmm. saying, uh, Hey man, remember when you said he shouldn't shoot threes and he hit the <laughs> the three to win the game? Look how wrong you were. Yes. As though that's like same. <laughs> you know, I, I you know, I, and I thought the same thing. I was like, yes, when Andrew Dockett hit the half quarter against Michigan State, I was like, yes, Andrew Dockett should shoot more half quarters because he made that one. That's that's exactly what that means. Um, no, Bridges is playing well. He's actually shooting fewer threes yes, as of late. He is. He, I don't. I've never minded Miles Bridges shooting threes. He's a he's a good shooter. He's the the problem is when he shoots like seven or eight threes a game. He should be shooting like four or five a game. That's that's all I've ever really wanted. I mean, the guy to me, Miles Bridges is a left-handed Carmelo Anthony. Yep. In college, like I don't know how it's going to transition to the NBA, translate to the NBA or whatever. But when I watch him, I'm like, this dude should just basically be doing everything Carmelo did. Like he's got a smooth stroke, but he's also thick as hell, thick with three C's, <laughs> thick as hell. Um. <laughs> And he should be posting up. He should be dunking on guys. Like he he should be using his physical gifts and not settling for jump shots. Uh and he's been doing more of that. Like he drove on Purdue and had the one dunk where he looked like he broke the rim for a second. Um so yeah, I'm I'm happy with Miles Bridges. The Purdue, so the article I wrote about Purdue on Isaac Haas is how Purdue has arrived at a point where they are kind of riding Isaac Haas and 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 it's not a bad thing necessarily because Haas Michigan State going to the Michigan State game, Tom Izzo made it clear like we are not going to double Isaac Haas. Even at halftime, 
they they interviewed him and they're like, what do you need to do to slow down Isaac Haas? He's like, I'm not even worried about Isaac Haas. I don't worry. I'm worried about the three point shooters. I don't care about Isaac Haas, whatever. And so Michigan <laughs> State strategy the whole game was we're just going to throw these these big dudes out there, your, your Gavin Schillings and your Nick Wards and your Kenny Goins, and just have them sumo wrestle Isaac Haas, try to push him off the block. Most of the time it didn't work. Isaac Haas would catch the ball six feet from the basket, five feet from the basket, turn and just hit a little baby hook. But every now and then they'd be able to push him like eight feet off the away from the basket, nine feet away. And Haas, for some reason, like couldn't tell he was too far away and he would still try to shoot and wouldn't hit or like t- would try to like take a dribble and, and make a move. Um, so there's like this fine line that Purdue is is towing where the whole point of running offense is to get the ball in a position where you can hit a high high percentage shot. Mm-hmm. And Isaac Haas is shooting 62% from the field or 61%, something like that. So if Michigan State is going to give you Isaac Haas one-on-one from five feet away where he can turn as a seven-foot-two guy and just turn and shoot a baby hook, uncontested really, because like even if the guys are on him, they're like a six-nine Nick Ward is doing nothing to Isaac Haas when he puts his hand up. Um, why would you not do that if you're Purdue? And Matt Painter was like, yeah, that's a good point. Why would we not do that? So they kept going to him, and the problem was two things. One, the Purdue guys would just sort of stand. I think there's a way, Tate, that you can feed the post and, and say like – Still move. Let the bit. We're gonna we're gonna let the big dog eat. Go go kill him one on one. But still like create some movement just in case. Just in case like like you know a double's not coming, but you still have to like keep the defense honest. Um, they they didn't really do any of that. They just kind of stood around straight legged and watched Haas do his thing. And the other the the problem that happens is when Haas Haas isn't good at discerning like what it when he does have his position. You know like he's not good at saying like okay, I'm four feet away. This is now I should shoot it. Cause like I said, there would be times where he would catch it like eight or nine feet away. And he's like, well, I'm one-on-one and I'm taller and bigger. So I'm just going to go ahead and shoot it. And it's like, well, that one, I'm not sure that's the one that you shoot 60% from the field from. Um, so that, that, but, but the, but the, 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 the bigger point moving forward is that other teams are going to do this to Purdue where they, they shut down the rest of the four guys. And, and I've, I've talked on this podcast. All, like, I think we first started talking about it after the Indiana game where Haas was, where I said, ha, everything runs through Haas. And it became clear to me that the reason that Purdue is so good and they have all those three-point shooters and they have the balanced offense is because Haas commands so much attention that guys get open off of him. And what Michigan State did is they said, we're going to let Haas do his thing and we're just going to pinch off Dakota Mathias shooting threes and Vince Edwards doing anything. And Vince Edwards, by the way, has been terrible the last two games. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, Carson Edwards, way. Carson Edwards was good in the first half. And then he got pretty much shut down in the second half by Michigan state. Um, so the Spartan strategy was like, we're just going to stop all those guys make Haas. Haas has to hit enough of those baby hooks to beat us. And we have so many big guys. We're just going to keep throwing them at him and play physical. We're going to hope he runs out of gas or takes some stupid shots here or there. And in the end, it'll work out for us. Um, and, and that's what's going to happen to Purdue, but but that's not necessarily a bad thing because like it's easier said than done. How many teams have as many big guys as Michigan State have? How many teams can push Haas off the block? How many teams, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's just it, Purdue has found themselves in this weird position where it's basically they've been a team of balance this entire season, and they are slowly becoming a one-dimensional team because they're relying so heavily on Haas. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
but it's just sort of something to keep an eye on. So I don't know. That, that was the that was the thesis of my article. But but go read it. At least g- give me a click though. Somebody go go click on the article at least. I feel like I just told this, read the entire article to everybody, and now they're like, oh, so now I don't I need to go read it. Yeah, please God, go click on that so we can keep this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> we should say I, I was going to say just PJ Thompson and Matthias and Edward Vince Edwards. The three of those guys just have to do more. I mean, I think PJ Thompson, yeah. what he had, he had one three in the game, I think. Um, yeah. And then Vince Edwards just kind of looks lost. They, it's weird how Purdue looked small against Michigan State, and that you know, obviously they have a seven footer and Isaac Haas, and they have Harms behind him, so it's it's weird to say they look small. But I mean, Jaron Jackson didn't even have a good game. But between Ward and Bridges, uh, I don't know. Michigan State just looked like the tougher team and a, a team that you didn't want to face in March, which is you know their mo. I wanted to ask yeah. you qu- a, a quick aside about after the game. I mean, you saw the Miles Bridges stuff about Izzo, and obviously we we have that situation. We haven't touched on it too much on, on this podcast really but I, I thought it was interesting the way that you know they they treated this game Michigan State like this was a it, like it was a program or season defining win for this team or something for, like they yeah. got the, they got the monkey off their back which is, was a little strange because um, I feel like there's a lot more work to be done in, in the Big Ten especially for them but I don't know I, what did you think about that did you see anything there it was a little strange to me well I mean, it's pretty clearly the whole the whole thing is weighing heavily on Izzo, and you and I haven't really talked about it much, sort of on purpose. Because, I mean, w- w- let's be honest, you we we like to have fun on the podcast. Yeah. We like to make jokes, and there's there's really nothing to be said about a sexual assault situation. Like, the, like one of two things is going to happen: either either we say like, "Man, that sucks." Like, w- what do we add to the conversation by going, "Yeah, Tate, you see the story about the sexual assault stuff in Michigan State?" Yeah, I did. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, cool. Like, what's the point? Of- so we don't, the, there's that part of it, and then there's the other part of it is a very dicey situation for in the in the whole Tom Izzo part of it all. Like, what he knew, what he is, because people are trying to vilify him so badly, and that that's become the problem. That's why that's why ESPN didn't take College Game Day there. I mean, yep. ESPN broadcast the game at Michigan State. It was number three versus number four. And they, they instead they went to Charlottesville for a very obvious reason because ESPN was the one who who launched the outside the line story and kind of roped in D'Antonio and Izzo into the Nasser thing mm-hmm. and and didn't explicitly say like D'Antonio and Izzo are as bad as Nasser, but it kind of had that tone. Like there's this whole culture of sexual assault, sexual violence at Michigan State. They're and Izzo is responsible in the way this. Yeah, they're sort of reported. implicated yep. in it. And I think I think when all that happened, Izzo was just like thrown on his ass and did not see it coming at all because the way I interpreted it is that Izzo felt like he handled it in his own way. And whether you think that that was an acceptable way or not, I'll leave that to other people's discretion. But th- I'm I'm just speaking as the way like I interpret Izzo's emotions is that when the Travis Walton thing happened and the Adrian Payne thing happened and the, the Keith Appling, like all these stories that are now kind of coming back up and bubbling over and kind of making Izzo a pariah in the, in the college basketball world. When all of those things originally happened, I think Izzo dealt with them mm-hmm. in his own way mm-hmm. and, and whatever, whatever the way that that looks like, I don't know. So he thought like, okay, it's done. It's been handled, whatever. And for it to now come back up and, and he's like, what's going on here? And he's very confused, which is why when that, when that news first broke, they played that night. They had, they had a game against Wisconsin, I think at home. Yep. 
Um, and on he, the Friday, the Friday night when and yeah. and Izzo got cornered after the game and and had the right you know, and he the was, outside the lines cameras on him. They're asking him the questions. He pretty much just went mute and didn't say anything. And you could tell it was a very tense yeah. situation. He thought that it, it would be something that he would not have to obviously address head on. And uh, he kind of skated away from it a little bit, especially in the 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 original that that first time that they that it came up. And now. I mean, Miles Bridges, I, I heard Dan Dockage talking about this on, I can't remember what game it was, some other broadcast where he was basically giving kudos to Miles Bridges because Miles Bridges has become the mouthpiece on, on this story for Michigan State for the most part. I mean, he's the one that's ended up in, in interviews addressing the, the situation head on as far as what the players are, right. are, are, are saying about it and trying to be proactive in the community. He keeps coming out and saying things. So, I mean, from that perspective, Miles Bridges has handled the situation with more, you know, uh, like he, he's been more upfront and, and straightforward with the whole situation um, throughout the whole thing. And, and, it was- and now it's going back and forth between the two, obviously. It was very hard for Izzo because he's a jovial guy and yep. he wants to say stuff and he can't. And I think it's just wearing on him. And that's not to say that he's a victim again. I'm not, I'm not, that, that's kind of why you and I haven't really commented on is because like what, I mean, I'm, I'm you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I think from Izzo's perspective, he, he handled what he thought. He, he, I think he thinks he he's like in agreement with all this stuff. Like the Nasser thing happens and he's like, I I completely agree. We need to get rid of all like we there needs to be accountability. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's turning and being like, and that starts with you, Tom. And he's like, wait, what? I'm on your side with this. <laughs> yes. Like what what is going on? Like like when the when the the Appling and the the pain situation, like no charges were filed there. And I know it's like a hazy situation and all that. But if you're Tom Izzo, you're he probably thought like, you know, like no charges, I guess whatever that I I don't know like what am I supposed to do about this and then the Travis Walton thing like Walton he, he was getting his due process he was on the team he went to the final four and then he was off the team after that and then more stuff came off when he was like not affiliated with Michigan State mm-hmm. and I think from Isbo's perspective he just is sort of confused as to how he became the bad guy in all of this because Listen, I, I I completely agree, and and I, I should make this point. I completely agree that there is a culture in college sports where where we we try to protect athletes, and that that is totally fucked up. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use that language because it is fucked up. Like it's very very bad that we've cr- we've created a situation in college sports where like I have no doubt in my mind that cops will like arrest a guy or or you know you you, you see an athlete out there and you're like oh you're the quarterback of the team I'll let you go this time or you, you know a sexual assault comes in to the campus police and like we can't do this this is xyz mm-hmm. this guy's important to our sports programs I have no doubt in my mind that that happens and I'm complete agreement that we need to f- figure this out and I think Izzo is in the same boat where he's like we need to figure this out and I'm on your guys' side let's figure this out so why are you mad at me? And I think the whole thing is just sort of sucked him of, of his energy and just worn him down. And I think so like beating Purdue was just kind of like, thank God our team is actually good this year because this is this this whole season of kicking my ass. And again, which I can't reiterate it enough to I don't know if how much Izzo knew or didn't know, but it's pretty clear that the season is like just wearing on him from an emotional perspective. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where I mean he obviously it, it, it he almost got became it became a situation where he was being defensive or he came across that way. And then it added even more uh insult to injury and you know it kind of snowballed from there. I was gonna say, I mean the yeah. the the real the real messed up part about it is, you know, the idea that the reason I asked the question in the first place, I know we got real serious here for for a second, but the fact that the idea that winning will absolve you from these tough questions, 
was where I was sort of, you know, it, yeah, like, like I, yeah. I think that's the tone that kind of came came across, at least when I first saw it. And I don't think about things in that light usually, but it, it, it yeah. the way that it came across that day, um, I don't know, it struck me sort of strange. And I understand that's that's sort of the, sort of the culture when you win, uh, people absolve you from, you know, your shortcomings, and uh, that's that's yeah. the weird the weird world we're in. But uh, yeah, that that was the only thing I wanted to mention on that. We should go to the actual college game day game of the day um, in Blacksburg, or not even in Blacksburg in Charlottesville. No, um, should have been. You would think it would be in Blacksburg just to hear the Virginia Tech upset Virginia. Uh, it was the first ACC loss of the season. I have to say this about this game. Uh, it goes to overtime. The insane overtime game, obviously, but Justin Robinson, I know we're going to talk about Virginia a little bit and, and how they ended up losing this game, but uh, Justin Robinson for Virginia Tech, I, I, I don't know how he's kind of gone under the radar. It's There's so many good guards in the ACC this season between you know the two guys at Boston College, Kai Bowman and Jerome Robinson, we've mentioned a little bit, but Justin Robinson is another guy that's completely under the radar. He had 20 in this game. He can get to the basket. He hits big shots uh, when they when Virginia Tech needs it. It was a huge win for Buzz Williams, in my opinion. I think that they've had a great year. They've obviously bounced back last year from that NCAA tournament loss. Um, I was really impressed with Virginia Tech in this game because there were four or five times in regulation and in overtime where it looked like Virginia had locked this thing up yeah. and, and had avoided the upset, but they just kept fighting back and they ended up stealing one uh, in Charlottesville. Yeah, it's weird. It's funny you said they stole one because it felt like they were the better team, yeah. but then it also felt like they did steal one because like you said like it, they had the mo there were all sorts of moments where it's like it's definitely over now like virginia was up what were they up like five, five. or something with a minute yep. left yep. yeah with like a minute left and against virginia um virginia gives virginia tech the tony in the second half mm-hmm. first i think this might be the first instance of a virginia giving them the tony since i brought up the idea of a tony and they still go to overtime this was a very very ugly game and Again, in the interest of credibility, you and I will defend Virginia style of play uh, to anybody, and I, I think Virginia. I don't. I don't just think it's okay. I think Virginia style of play is awesome and fun. Actually, fun to watch. But this was not a game that it was fun to watch. Um, it was just a completely ugly game. Both Virginia's offense was was just atrocious at times. Um, really, throughout the entire game. Uh, but yeah, Virginia Tech. I I I was impressed. Was, I dare we say Tate. It was a program win for the Hokies. Um, they just it looked like it was over, and they just kind of like dug in. And, and the whole thing with them was their defense is not good enough, and they kind of made they made Kyle guys certainly look terrible. Ty Jerome was not good. Devin Hall was okay, but otherwise, like Virginia just kind of it almost looked like Virginia Kyle guy especially almost looked like sort of entitled for lack of a better term. Like I'm just gonna catch it and shoot it, and it's gonna go in because I'm Kyle guy and I make these shots. And this is how it works. And we're I blame Virginia us. Tech. We've hyped him up too much. Yeah, yeah, we've right. gotten his head. And he, then, he already like, had a segment. And then the sh- Did you see the college game yeah. day sign? They had the bad, good guy, bad guy, Kyle guy game day sign. Whoever yeah. brought that, appreciate yeah. you listening to the podcast. Um, I, we were very excited about that, but I, I think Kyle guy saw that and was like, "I am Kyle guy. I can do anything. I can right. take 15 threes. It doesn't matter if only two of them go in." Uh, but I, I'm going to defend Ty Jerome here for a second because. You know, Virginia Tech has that lead 49-47 and Virginia gets the ball back and he comes down and he, I mean, he just wets that too with not even a thought with nine seconds uh-huh. left, uh, ties the game at 49. They play good defense. They go to, and then he has this last second three to win the game. It would have been 52-49. They win in regulation. He had a great look at it. I thought it was going in and then it hits the front of the rim, doesn't go in. But uh, so, so Jerome stepped up in the last seconds of regulation. And then once we got to overtime, that's kind of when, uh, for whatever reason, Virginia... <laughs> Kyle Guy and Jerome just couldn't hit the side of a the side of a barn at that point. It was crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Virginia, I, I swear this has to be the only time, and I, I think I've already said this, that a team was not ranked number one, loses at home to an unranked team, and then in the next poll moves up to number one in the country. <laughs> yeah. This has to be the only time that's ever I, happened, right? I think, I think that's insane. I, I think the last time I saw the last time that happened in the AP poll was, uh, it was like 1948, 1949. Oh, yeah. I actually remember <laughs> that. I remember that year, yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah, that. Yeah, good year. Real good well. year. World, um, World War II had so just wrapped up. I think Virginia, for Virginia moving forward, if we're doing the, the thing of like, it, are, are we worried about them now? No. Uh, sort of thing. I, I don't think so. I think they just, they're, they're struggling from the three-point line right now. They were 11 for 38. Probably taking a few too many. I mean, 38 threes for Virginia. They, they only get like 30 possessions a game. I don't understand how they shot 38 threes, <laughs> but they were 11 for 38 from the three point line in that game. That's uh, it's probably a few too many threes, but well, I don't know. We can just, they, they just we can just say that they've been filling themselves a little bit from the three point line. And yeah. that, that, that's the difference with this Virginia team this year is that they do have those scorers. I mean, we've mentioned it before. I mean, they have Hall, they have Jerome, and they have Guy, those three guys, and Hunter too. I mean, they have four guys that really can go off. And when you're depending on Guy and Jerome to kind of carry your offensive load every single game, sometimes you're going to have off nights. And honestly, as much as, you know, we, we love Kyle Guy, I mean, he was the one in that game where I was kind of just shocked at how how off he was the entire game. I, I, I thought even in overtime yeah. he was going to catch his breath a little bit or a second wind or something, but everything was short. I don't know if it was legs. He was tired. Um, but yeah, it was it was strange to watch. And huge, huge win for Virginia Tech. Huge win for uh, your, your boy Seth Greenberg. For, uh, yes. They kept showing the uh, the last time. So they showed the video where Joe, the Joe Harris Virginia team, yep. where Seth Greenberg went into Charlottesville and beat them, and yeah, so he he got a lot of play there. I know, I know you love that tape. I loved it. Uh, I wanted I wanted to talk about Gonzaga St. Mary's, but uh, eh. I mean, the, the, this is this is almost a compliment to Gonzaga. Like they just beat the shit out of St. Mary's. Jock Landell shot four times. Rui Hachimura was killing off the bench. Um, I mean, the game was over like three minutes in. They they just blew St. Mary's out of the water. I don't really think we need to talk. I know. Listen, I know I'm not gonna have to to argue with you about whether we should. Talk yeah, what about are you talking game. about? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't but, hear uh, a word you said. What I you, did acknowledge that. I heard Hichimura. I also, I also want to acknowledge to the Xavier fans. We do we do recognize that your team is playing well and you just beat Creighton. And shout out to the refs at the end of that game for calling it for like two bullshit fouls back to back. Um, where they 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 call the foul on the three point shooter for Creighton because he gets touched on his non-shooting hand after he releases the ball and then they flip around and call the foul on the same guy who was guarding a Xavier I, I, I forget who all the players were in, in this um but the Xavier dude drives to the basket and gets mm-hmm. fouled and then they call the foul which I actually thought was a good call I thought it was actually a foul at the end of the game um a lot of people were up in arms about that but I don't know you fouled the guy it's a foul are, are you a, are you a swallow the whistle guy Tate like you can't call that in the final minute. With 30 seconds left, you can't call that. I am. Because I'm, I'm a guy that's like, if it's a foul, it's a foul. If it's not a foul, don't call it. I'm going to keep it consistent. If you've been calling it a foul right. game, then sure, call it. But if you haven't, then don't try to make it a big stage. Yeah. And that's what happens when TV Teddy's on there. He's just trying to, to get on TV, of course. Uh, uh, so what I want to talk to you about, yes. I, I say we're skipping over these games because I want to talk to you about this. We need a Trey Young update. Mm-hmm. We, we, we said we wanted to do this. And I feel like this is a great time to do this because I am slowly talking myself into Trey Young not winning National Player of the Year, Tate. And I need I need another voice in my life to either confirm or deny whether I'm crazy for thinking Trey Young, my beloved Trey Young, the man who I love so much, might actually not be able to win National Player of the Year. Do you think that's a crazy thought? Trey Young in Oklahoma, they were 
when we spotted them, when we decided that they were our team and Trey Young was our guy, it was what, mid December. They were on this amazing run. Yeah. Trey Young is averaging 30 and 10. Everyone's talking about him. He's the talk of the town. Bill Simmons is proclaiming he should just be the number one pick. He's must must watch TV. Trey Young week. Trey Young week was Trey about, Young week. Was he a, wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, we're about to do that. Um, and now they what they fell six spots right to number twenty three in the AP poll. They've lost three straight. Um, six of eight. Six they of, lost six of eight. Six of eight, and they just lost at mm-hmm. Iowa State. Iowa State is the worst team in the Big Ten, right? Or the Big Twelve? I'm sorry. And uh, yep. And and but they've also beat Iowa the, for people that were trying to give perspective because when they lost to Iowa State I saw all these people saying you know Trey Young has lost to the worst team in the Big Twelve what a slide for this guy whatever whatever and it's like but Iowa State's beat West Virginia right they beat Texas mm-hmm. Tech like they've they've had some good wins so Iowa State losses not the worst especially at Iowa State so people freaking out about that I, I think that's a little crazy the problem with Trey Young right now is what we've said a couple times on the pod the past couple weeks is he's not having fun anymore. He got way too much media glut in his life. He got LeBron James saying that he's known that Trey Young was going to be a superstar, you know, since he saw him when he was four years old or something crazy like that. Um, all this talk around him is it seems to affect him. I know Fran Fraschilla said that a couple times. I've seen him call the games and say Trey looks like he's a little out of it. He's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I think what's going to happen is people are going to go return to the mean a little bit. Everyone wanted the the freshman national player of the year. Everyone wanted the Kevin Durant story of someone just amazing, you know, taking over college basketball as a freshman. I think Trey has done that. I still think he should be national player of the year. Uh, I, I think they're going to turn it around a little bit. But I could see Brunson becoming a guy that that becomes the favorite, which is crazy to say. Um, cause I've just seen a lot of people say, well, why, why don't we, you know, reward a guy like Jalen Brunson, who's been at Villanova, the te- Texas going into the, uh, the regular season. I mean, they were 22 and eight at the end of the regular season. And tr- so if Trey young is like, he's already 16 and eight, his team is already 16 and eight. Now there, listen, there, there are, are at, at some point these streaks are going to be broken. I mean, like when Kevin Durant was doing it, people were probably like, they're losing too much. And then he did it and they're like, Oh, okay. They so were, new I remember has been set. Yeah, so now a new precedent was set with Kevin Durant, and then maybe Trey Young gets still wins National Player of the Year, and it's like, oh, so all that talk was kind of overblown. Um, I th- but it's just something to keep an eye on. Like at a certain point, I don't know. I think the way the, the way that yeah, I looked at it for Trey, I think the route to him winning National Player of the Year is he needs another big primetime moment, like what Buddy Hill did at Kansas. Yeah, you know he can have that moment at Kansas next week. It has to be at Kansas. Yeah, it has, it to, has to be at Kansas. Secondly, this has to be. You're absolutely right. This has to be the. Uh, it has to be the Kansas game. It doesn't matter that um, Kansas sucks. Kansas has lost a lot of games at home. Uh, so Trey Young at Allen Fieldhouse is still. It doesn't matter like how good Kansas is, how good Oklahoma is. This is the. I mean the the, the player that ESPN cannot stop talking about, and Kansas is still Kansas. Allen Fieldhouse is still Allen Fieldhouse. People, it, it's and that's that's really all that matters. I mean, that, that it, it it's sad to say for like the teams who aren't blue bloods, it, it it sucks that this is the case, but it is the case that like Kansas always is going to be relevant nationally to people. Yep, always. Kentucky is always going to be relevant. Duke is always going to be relevant, et cetera, on down the line. North Carolina. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if Trey Young, even if Kansas sucks, and everyone's like, if Kansas loses every game between now and then, and everyone's like, Kansas is terrible, we're out on Kansas. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, if Trey Young goes to Allen Fieldhouse and drops forty, and then that that's it. That's the final straw. But uh, let's be honest, Tate. The real reason I'm bringing up whether Trey Young has the national player there locked up is because I have slowly talked myself into Kata, Big Dick Bates D up. 
You can't steal that nickname from Nick Foles because it doesn't rhyme. No, you got to come up with something. No, hold else. on. It has to rhyme. It, it's KBD. It's K to Big Dick. It's K KBD. How does that not work? You got the you got his last name is BD. His, his nickname is KBD. That's that K to Big Dick. That works so well. <laughs> All right, maybe. So uh, anyway, I'm slowly talking myself into Kata. We're we're gonna we're gonna wrap this. We're gonna wrap it up. But I just want to mention in parting, Tate. Kata Bates Dia, 19.9 points per game. 9.0 rebounds per game. Best defender, best perimeter defender in the Big Ten. Maybe the best defender, depending on how you feel about Jaron Jackson. Maybe the best defender, dare I say, the country. The guy is unbelievable. He's if Kata Bates Diop doesn't win National Player of the Year, if if like it, so Trey Young should probably win it. I'll still concede that. Mm-hmm. If someone other than Trey Young wins it, like if Brunson sneaks in and wins it, if Bagley gets in there, I think DeAndre Ayton's probably out at this point. Yeah, Ayton's out. Um but if if someone other than Trey Young wins it, it is to me it just screams that none of the media people actually watch the games because if you actually watch Kata Bates D up play defense, he is by far a better defender than everyone else in the running for this. And listen, does defense matter? I don't know. I've always been told that defense wins championships, Tate. So that's all I'm saying. I just I'm 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 just preparing you. The Kata Bates D up National Player of the Year campaign is about to get out of control on this podcast in the, in the next few weeks. <laughs> is that going to be the new Save the Crew? I have to vote for is, vote yeah. for Kata Big Dick. We'll be at the end of every vote podcast. Kata Big Dick. <laughs> I, I don't understand what's wrong. With it. I mean, like, just stop me when I'm wrong. Is he not? Is he not a great defender and averaging twenty and, and nine and leading in the the best story in college basketball this year? Is he going to win? If is he going to win Big Ten Player of the Year? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> well, let's move on to shout outs. When you can when you can succinctly say that's going to happen, then I'll then I'll consider the conversation. Let's do some shout outs. Who 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 amongst the Big 10 who amongst the Big 10 player uh, who who's going to beat him? Who are you going to suggest Miles Bridges? Yeah, I was going to say don't doubt that. Get, that that is a that will come that'll face. come back to bite you. I'm sorry. Get out of my face. I don't want to no, say that. No. I I will riot. We will <laughs> you I will riot. I will take to the streets. It'll it'll not be a pretty sight if if Kata Bates did if if he doesn't win Big Ten Player of the Year are you kidding me Tate are you kidding it's no no I don't even want to imagine that um let's move on to shout outs so my first shout out I want to start I the big story around college basketball this week was Doug Gottlieb <laughs> um <laughs> yes always I love, I love that you laugh. <laughs> It is kind of funny. Uh, Doug Gottlieb wrote a, wrote for the Athletic uh, about how he stole credit cards when he was at Notre Dame, and can, just can can we stop this? You just want to? <laughs> how many times have we heard this story? We get it. You're sorry. You did it, Doug. We haven't. We haven't heard enough. I, I've heard this story literally every single time Doug Gottlieb was on TV. You hear the story about well, you know, you remember the credit card thing, right? And it's like vaguely I do, but yeah. I, I, I don't. Why do I have to keep hearing about it? Why do I, like why does it matter? But so much, you know, like there are champions on TV. I don't even hear about their their championships, but I, somehow I hear about Doug Gottlieb having to go to Oklahoma State because he was a bad guy that one time. <laughs> you know? Do you think Cam Newton? Every time Cam Newton's on TV, he's like, yeah, remember that time I stole that laptop at Florida? I really. I'm Sorry about that. No, he just went to Auburn problem, and played. So I, what happened was Doug was so. First of all, I I've always liked Doug Gottlieb. I've made fun of him a lot because he's easy to make fun of. He was kind of my Dan Dockich before Dan Dockich came along. Like before Dockich became nationally prominent, I used to just make the same jokes about Gottlieb because I knew people hated him and he was an easy target. And I'm let's be honest, I'm lazy with my jokes, <laughs> so I'm gonna go after the easy target. Uh, but I've always actually liked Gottlieb. I always liked how he tells it like it is, whatever that means. Um, 
he, he I do think his perspective is interesting, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I thought this was cool. Like it was, it was great that he was, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say he was brave. And I, you know, if I'm you said he was brave, around. I would wow. definitely hang up the phone. Very brave. Yeah. First of all, it's behind <laughs> but, a paywall. So I have to be rich to be able to read no, this story. No, no, it wasn't behind the paywall. Oh, wow. Uh, all Doug, right. Doug, it Give says him credit here, for that. I, 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 I read somewhere that Doug used the credit cards that he stole to uh, re- release the paywall on the athletic for his article. Yes. <laughs> um, so he he apologized for everything. It was great, all that kind of stuff. But it was kind of funny. He's just sort of uh, still playing the victim a little bit, and I don't know. It's 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 all funny. It's a. I think what's happened is like people make fun of him because. He he criticizes people. He tells it like it is. He'll watch the he he gets paid to criticize college basketball of coaches course. and players. Yes. And, right. And so he gets on TV and he's like, This guy sucks. This guy is terrible. Fire his ass. <laughs> and and when you kind of come those, when those you kind of come from that, that perspective. <laughs> yeah. When you're kind of like that abrasive, it's you know, and you got like your your past, of course people are gonna be like, Hey asshole, you're mm-hmm. yelling at our coach. What about the shit that you did? Or like when he criticizes like a player, he's like, That guy just didn't give any effort there. What a piece of shit. And it's like, who are you to say what you know? I, so I think like people attack him for the credit card thing, of and then course. he felt like he was being attacked and victimized. And it's just one of the, it's just funny to me. It's all funny. No, it's all I mean, it's just but it, he brings it on himself because he brings it up like unprompted all the time. It's the same with Jay Williams. But like, I, I, like you're not wrong, but he's got a point. Like people are bringing it up from 20, <laughs> but 50, it's like 50 years from now. People are still, he's going to be like 80 years old and he's going to be like, hey, I think we should be nice to people. Look, and but you stole credit cards, asshole. Look, he's a bad guy. He could have been a good guy. He could have been like Andy Kennedy and swept it under the rug and nobody would ever talked about it. But he keeps bringing it yeah. up. And, you know, that's true. That's look, it's a great story. I appreciate him writing it. I haven't read it. I probably won't. I've heard it enough. But shout out to Doug Gottlieb. He's he's in the zeitgeist again. It's, that's all that matters. As I said, it's it's not behind the paywall, Tate. He uh, <laughs> got him. Released the paywall. That was a good. Did you, did you like that joke? That I liked a good it. Joke. That was really good. Really, yeah, that was a good one. I worked really hard on that one. I stayed up all night to, to write that one. <laughs> um, here's a question for you: Is Scott Drew a good coach? Yes. They beat Kansas. Yes. They have won at Texas. They have won four in a row. They're back on the bubble. Um, it's something that I think more people need to talk about. Uh, is Scott Drew? Is he actually a good coach? Because this team was not good for a little bit there, Tate. You you picked Scott Drew as your good guy of the week. Mm-hmm. And now look at him. Yes. Now look at him. Yes. So, I actually, shout out to Scott Drew. I got confused. I thought it was good coach of the week. Um, you know how oh, I am. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yes. That'll happen. Yep. Uh, you got any shout outs? Uh, I want to shout out Taiwan Lawson, uh, one of my favorite players of all time. Great point guard. Possibly coming back to the NBA to play for the Washington Wizards. Uh, if you're a college basketball fan and you watch Taiwan Lawson, John Wall uh, in college, run the fast break up and down the court. It was something to marvel at. It's so the most, obnoxious. Most beautiful thing you could ever see in basketball um, to see those guys on the fast break. They could possibly be together in the same backcourt at some point this season. That makes me happy. So that's all. That that's my main. So obnoxious out. for you to. It's so obnoxious for you to call him Taiwan. By the way, <laughs> that's the. Calling him Taiwan Lawson is the Trayvon Duval no. of North his Carolina. His name is Taiwan Lawson. If you know him, then you That's know ridiculous. him. If you don't, you call him Ty. That's fine. We're okay. Um, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Colorado State Athletic Department nice. and pretty much everyone who's everyone who's been put in charge there. They they placed Larry Eustachy on administrative leave for basically being Larry Eustachy. For for <laughs> for doing Larry Eustachy. Larry Eustachy was doing Larry Eustachy things. Um so he gets placed on administrative leave. Then his replacement, his assistant, Steve Barnes, 
gets tagged with the interim label, right? And he's mm-hmm. now going to take over for the team, probably for the rest of the year. So then, and then once they sort out the Eustachy case, they're just going to can Eustachy's ass. Uh, so Barnes is probably going to be the interim coach for the rest of the year. Or is he Tate? Because now he's been placed on administrative leave <laughs> because it turns out he's a bit of an <laughs> asshole as well. <laughs> So Uh, the Colorado State program is an absolute shambles. But the interesting part about this is I saw in the Coloradoan, Coloradan, whatever the paper's called. What do you call people from Colorado? Coloridian. Um, uh, Oh, it's getting worse. This guy, (laughs) this guy, Kevin, this is getting worse. This guy, Kevin Lytle, who writes for the Coloridian. Chlamydian. Chlamydian, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's uh, got his VD. he wrote an article about uh, about the Colorado State coaching situation. He's he's on the uh, Becky Hammond for Colorado State oh, head men's head coach and train. And I didn't realize this. Becky Hammond played at Colorado State. She's got her jersey in the rafters, Tate. She's the first ever women's assistant, like female coach in professional sports in in North American history. He's she's she's breaking all the barriers. Will she become the first woman head coach in? Men's basketball. I like it. I don't know. The Spurs are in Some shambles. Everybody's trying to leave the Spurs. I, I want Becky to go there. Yeah. Good. So there you go. That's it. That's all I got for shout outs. You got anything else? Uh, Wrap it up. I got one one last shout out. Shout out to Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you just keep getting older and that hair keeps staying young, keeps staying black. Uh, I wanted to shout out to Coach K on his birthday. I know he's got a lot of a lot of things going on in the Duke world, a lot of young freshmen that uh, think that they've already got their draft stock high enough so they're going to sit out the rest of the season except for the big games uh, and the tournament. There, there's some rumblings of that couple guys uh, up in Duke land that want to do that. Um, I hope Coach K figures it out, mm. and I hope he has a happy birthday. That's my final shout-out. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers to Coach K for his health. You know, the man has, has struggled with his health through the years, and we just we want what's best for him, and we want him to uh, yeah, have a very blessed year, another blessed year in the books for old Coach K. <laughs> That's all we can say. All right. Uh, so games to watch for those. Uh, Oklahoma's at Texas Tech tonight. We'll probably talk about that one. And Arizona, Arizona State on Thursday. Not a lot of not a lot of marquee games this week, Tate. We kind of it was last week that it was that rivalry game, week last but, week. Um, We're gonna take a little bit of break this yeah, week. Uh, it's NBA All Star Weekend. Friday is gonna be fun because yeah. we don't have much to talk about, so we can just do whatever we want. It's gonna be a very casual Friday. Oh God, I can't wait. Oh God, are we gonna do more? Just as long as we don't do more NBA stuff. That was that was my big regret on this podcast. Was. <laughs> Trying to trying to do like a deep dive NBA something or other with you. No, like, we're not going to do that. We got like we we got like five minutes in. I was like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I could tell. I could tell you were not ready for it. I I don't even want to know what um, I know about the NBA. It's okay, fans. All right. Well, in in, in that case, I will. Uh, we will talk to each other Friday, Tate. In the meantime, uh, Kate Bates D out for National Player of the Year and save the crew. Big Duke.